and welcome. My name is Mason, and this is Mace on Movies, and this is episode four of my journey through Ghibli, where I go through the Studio Ghibli animated movie collection on HBO Max and give my thoughts on each one of those movies as I go through them. And today that brings us to Kiki's Delivery Service, and uh, the Japanese title of that is Majo no Takhubin. Uh, so that actually means witch's delivery service in the original Japanese, uh, but in the English, they've decided to give it the girl's name, the main character's name, rather than just saying witch's delivery service, which I think sounds a little bit cuter, a little bit more friendly uh, in the English version. And this film was released in 1989 here in Japan, but it was actually part of a 15-year distribution deal between the Walt Disney Company and Studio Ghibli. Uh, so Disney actually released an English dub version in 1997, uh, which premiered at the Seattle International Film Festival and then was available on home video uh, in 1998. So a little bit of history there between Studio Ghibli and the Disney Company uh, there. So as I mentioned before, Ghibli is kind of the Disney of Japan, but they have also actually had a partnership with Disney for distribution. So that's a cool little connection there. Kiki's Delivery Service was directed once again by Hayao Miyazaki and uh, was actually based on a 1985 novel, which was written by Eiko Kadono. And uh, something interesting about this movie is that, you know, it was partially financed by a transport company, Yamato Transport. And I was actually, I didn't know that until I did my research after watching it. But as I was watching it, I just, it popped into my head because Kiki has this delivery service and she has her black cat with her, uh, which is Kuroneko, black cat in Japanese. And, you know, I there's this, there's this transport company still exists here in Japan, Yamato Transport. Uh, I get a lot of deliveries from them, from various services. And, um, you know, part of their, when you're requesting re-delivery, uh, you get a little email from Kuroneko uh, Delivery. And so I was like, Kuroneko, I wonder if it's actually connected. You know, this movie's about a delivery service. I wonder if it's actually connected uh, to that actual delivery service that has that Black Cat logo. And it turns out that it is. Uh, the novel actually uh, described the delivery service using the words that this company used, which is Takyubin, uh, which is a little bit different than the standard Japanese for delivery service. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that that delivery service was a source of inspiration for the novel which then translated over to the movie, and I was kind of able to make that connection as I was watching it before I did this research. So maybe you don't care, but I thought that was a really um, thought that was an interesting connection. I was like, I wonder as I was watching it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I actually was right. I wasn't just being a weirdo. There is an actual connection there. So kind of interesting that a transportation company uh, partially financed or invested in this film. But uh, yeah, there you go. A little connection there. Uh, between the movie and life here in Japan. Uh, but enough about random details. Uh, this movie is about a witch named Kiki. And uh, as she turns 13, she goes through this process, which is normal of all witches, where once you turn 13, you actually go off for a year of training. You, you choose a town that you want to go to, you travel there, and then you find a witch to train under. And so this film follows Kiki as she leaves home 
and embarks on this journey, this coming of age journey, where she's exploring her gifts and deciding how to use them and finding her way in the world. So it is kind of like a more, maybe more relatable for girls, but I think it's relatable for anyone who's been on that journey, that coming of age journey in their life, uh, where you hit that transition period where you're starting to discover more about yourself and your interests and deciding what kind of person you want to be and how to use the gifts that you've been given. Uh, So this film deals a lot with those themes. And, you know, I have to say that of the four Ghibli films I've watched so far, including this one, uh, I think this might be one that I go back to the most so far. I just really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed Kiki as a character. I enjoyed the journey that she goes on and the things that she learns about herself and the way all of that is portrayed. I love the interaction she has with her cat and with various characters within the story. I just thought that all of it was so charming, uh, the way that it was animated uh, and the way that these characters interact with each other and, and the setting that it's in. You know, it's just, I just found it to be a very charming, very delightful film. And that doesn't mean that everything in the film is easy. You know, she goes through her challenges, but overall, there's just this sense of of whimsy, I think, to a lot of the movie. Even as she's going through these challenges, she just has these wonderful moments of flight and soaring. And you really feel like you're going on that adventure. You're soaring with her throughout this journey. And I, I just thought that it was a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, I think I enjoyed it the most of the four that I've seen so far. You know, I don't think anything really rivals Naushka of the Valley of the Wind in terms of scale and just the epic scope of it. But in terms of like rewatchability and general enjoyment, I think that Kiki probably stands above the rest in my book. So it's hard to rank these. They're all so good. Um, But I really feel that so far I've probably enjoyed this movie the most and would be most eager to go back and, and watch this one again. And, you know, speaking of the journey of the film... I don't want to spoil too much. I will give some non-spoiler thoughts as I, I've already given most of them, but I will give a spoiler warning before going into specific plot details. But I'll just wrap up my non-spoiler thoughts by saying, you know, she goes on this journey, the movie starts and she's leaving home and going out on her own. And she has an encounter with a young witch on the way to the town that she's choosing, where she sees the giftedness of this young witch and starts to ask, you know, ask herself, well, what is my gift? What is the thing that I'm good at? I didn't know I was supposed to have a special thing that I do. And that really kicks off her journey and finding her confidence and discovering, like I said, discovering her gifts and how to use them. And even that balance of like, you know, when you get excited about your gift, but you try to, you know, I think so many creative people can relate to this, this journey of you have a creative gift and you want to use it uh, to turn it into a career or something like that. But in doing so, you can kind of burn yourself out in the use of that gift. And that's part of the journey she goes on as well. And I just thought that there's so much in here, you know, for, for a young adult movie or for a kid's movie. I just thought there was so much that's so relatable. Um, and I really found found that value in the film. So... I'm going to start going into specific plot points of the film. So if you haven't seen it uh, or would like to watch it first, please do that. And then you can come back to this podcast. Uh, But now I'm going to go into kind of beat by beat of the story. 
So as this movie starts off, you know, Kiki goes, like I said, on this journey. She has to leave home at the age of 13 to go out for her training as a witch. She needs to go to another town uh, for a year of training. And you can pick, she can pick any town that she wants to go to. And she really has this dream of going to a town that's by the sea. Uh, so as she goes out, she finds this town and goes into it. Uh, but when she gets there, she discovers that times have kind of changed and there's not really anyone like she expected to show up and have this excitement, have someone welcome her, like recognize her as being a witch and take her in and help her. But when she arrives, she doesn't experience any of that. She kind of winds up in this really busy city. Uh, she almost gets hit by a bus. She's causing problems. She has an encounter with the police. You know, a lot of things, a lot of things are going wrong just as soon as she arrives and she's thrown into this chaos and has to find a way to deal with it. And I think it really, it really does represent kind of that chaotic journey into young adulthood that so many people experience like, wow, suddenly everything's different and I don't know how to deal with that. And I thought I had an idea of what to expect, but I really have no idea what to expect. And I'm just trying to make it along the best I can. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that she gets into some trouble. The police are like, what are you doing? How, why would you go into the middle of a road? You could have caused an accident. And uh, they're ready to, to take her in, but a boy that will become her friend ends up distracting the police so she can get away. And this boy, I think, kind of represents, uh, represents Hayao Miyazaki because he is yet another character who is fascinated by flight, notices that she's a witch and she can fly on her broom, and he thinks that she is just the, the coolest person in the world and uh, becomes very interested in her. She thinks he's kind of annoying uh, for, for various reasons and doesn't really like the friends that he has. So even though he's really interested in her, uh, she kind of goes her own way. And, you know, she has a really hard first day in this town until she arrives at this bakery uh, where this woman, you know, uh, she arrives at this bakery and she notices that this woman who is pregnant is trying to chase down someone who has left something in the bakery. And she says, oh, you know, I can hop on my broom and fly down to them easier than you can get to them. So she helps this pregnant lady. And then it turns out that this lady is aware of witches um, and is very kind towards her and provides a place for her to stay. And that's where she begins to set up shop. She ends up working for the bakery and then also, as a worker in the bakery, decides to start her own delivery service um, because she can fly around and transport things more easily than you could do by car or bicycle or things like that. So it's a very, very practical idea. Uh, and this woman that she's with is, is so helpful uh, in helping her kind of start that journey. Um, and, you know, she thinks like, oh, you know, this is my gift. Flying is my gift. I'm going to use my gift uh, to deliver these things to people, and that's how I'm going to make my way. Um, but she, you know, as she starts this business, you know, her first delivery, again, ends up being kind of a disaster, that as she's delivering this package, you know, she's got her cat with her, and there's this funny moment where the birds kind of warn, they're speaking, like the cat can understand that the birds are saying, a oh, wind is coming, and they're going to go up, but Kiki doesn't really listen and ends up getting swept by this wind and dropping the package, 
which coincidentally is a toy black cat, uh, drops it in the forest. So when she gets there uh, to where she's supposed to deliver the toy, she discovers, oh, no. And there's some great comedy uh, where she has her black cat pretend to be a toy while she goes back to the forest and finds it. Um, And while she's going back to find the toy, she interacts uh, with this girl who's an artist who lives in the forest. Um, And this girl ends up being very kind towards her, uh, helping her, gives her the cat back, and they become friends. And there will be a very significant moment later on in this film where that friend comes back. But for the moment, just helps her get the cat back. And she makes a successful first delivery and kicks off this business. But in the process of running this business, as I mentioned before, she's trying to kind of monetize her gift. Um, And as any of us who've ever tried to do that um, discover, uh, you can very quickly take something you love and turn it into a burden or something that burns you out. You can hit a dead end creatively. You can wear yourself out. And that's kind of the what happens to Kiki as she's running her services is she ends up doing one delivery where she ends up helping this woman, uh, you know, create a pie and deliver it. And when she delivers it, you know, she ends up having to fly through the rain and she delivers it to someone who is not thankful, hates the pie, is upset that it's wet. And she just ends up getting kind of discouraged. And at the same time, she's also exhausted. And this discouragement and exhaustion lead her to become sick and she decides to kind of put this service on hold. And, and you know, she's, she's hit a really hard point in her journey. But before she puts the service on hold, actually, she, you know, she was intending to go to a party with Tombo, who's this boy that she met that's really interested in flight, that's really interested in her. Uh, but because she had to fly through the rain and deliver this thing, she ended up being too late coming back to go to the party And that's when she got sick. But once she's better, uh, the woman at the bakery actually helps her. Uh, She she does a sneaky thing where she sets up uh, a delivery to this boy and they end up spending some time together. And he shows her this uh, propeller that he's working on for a plane uh, that's maneuvered by a bicycle. So it's kind of like a combination bike, pedal, airplane. but they end up spending time together and have this really sweet, uh, really sweet date. And uh, But then at the end of that, his friends pull up and they start teasing again. And, you know, she's, she's kind of put off by that. And then in addition to that, her cat uh, named Gigi, who has been kind of her closest friend, her companion, now is spending more time with this neighbor cat, this white cat. And he's spending less time with her. And so she's starting to feel alone. She's starting to feel like she's lost one of her closest friends. And in the midst of this, she's losing her confidence. And as she loses her confidence, she loses her ability to fly. And she just ends up in a very low place. And at this low place, that's when the girl, Ursula from the forest, uh, the artist, actually comes and visits her and they spend some time together. And she talks about how, you know, as an artist, she hits these moments of creative block. And the only thing that she can do is just go out and enjoy herself and do the things that she loves until she's able to find her purpose again. 
And such, it's just such great advice. You know, this is something that, you know, me and my friends actually talk about this a lot is like, how do we stay inspired? How do we stay motivated? How do we keep a sense of purpose? And a big part of that is actually remembering to rest and resting well and finding ways to refresh yourself and take a break. And it's, it's such a hard thing to do because I think as human beings, we're, we always want to accomplish something. We always want to feel like we always want to feel like we're doing something well, like we're getting things done, like we're hitting goals. And, you know, the drive to do that can sometimes start to cut into our rest. And that's when we end up burning ourselves out. And we always have to find this balance of finding rest, finding inspiration, finding refreshment. And that's going to motivate the use of our gifts later on. And so that's part of the journey that Kiki goes on. And like I said, I just found like so much of this movie to be so relatable. And, you know, it, it's relatable for a lot of people as well. But, you know, when you have that closest friend, you've been best friends for so long, and that friend becomes interested in someone else, and you feel like you've lost that one person you could connect to and spend time with. I know that's a journey that a lot of girls go on. Some boys go on that too. You know, it's not one or the other. Um, but yeah, we all, we all go through that journey where we have friends that we're close to and, and we drift apart. Um, so it really is, like I said, this coming of age journey. And I just love the way that the movie lays these things out and lets us kind of experience these things with her and gives just these beautiful moments to let these moments breathe. Um, and yeah, we, we get a true sense of what she's going through. And it never feels, it never feels too heavy. It never feels too dramatic, but it always feels tonally just, just right. Like they're balancing all of this really well with the humor and the hard moments. And the whole journey is just so beautifully done. And she does end up finding her purpose again. Uh, she's able to rebuild her broom, which had been broken. And she's able to, you know, on the news, she sees that Tombo, you know, uh, as, she, as Tombo is like with this giant flying blimp type thing, uh, the vessel is coming away from its lines and floating off, and it's becoming a very dangerous situation. Uh, and she ends up, you know, getting her power back and flying in with purpose to help someone again. Uh, and she's able to help him, and she has her power back. She's able to resume her service. And so the movie ends in a really sweet place. But what I found was interesting, you know, I've mentioned this journey, and something I've noticed about a couple of like this and my neighbor Totoro is like, it feels different just in the story layout than like maybe a traditional Western story with like the three act structure, because it really feels like this, you spend like an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, just kind of like going along with her as she's living her life. And it feels like this inciting incident, this big dramatic change happens at like the hour and 10 minute mark, where usually it feels like something like that would happen, like the big problem, the big challenge would usually happen like somewhere halfway through. Uh, but, but with these movies, it feels like the big challenge comes with like 30 minutes left and then all the action happens within like that last 30 minutes. So I thought, I thought the balance of time was interesting, but it didn't take away from the experience. I just thought, oh, that's, that's an interesting pace uh, for this story to take. But like I said, overall, you know, it's such a, I don't know how many more times I can say it, but a relatable journey and a fun journey 
Uh, and it's so well told, so beautifully told. And, you know, the different relationships that she has, you know, with her cat Gigi uh, and with Osono, who's the woman who owns uh, the bakery and with Ursula and with Tombo, the boy, you know, just it all feels just real. It just feels it doesn't feel overly overdone. It just feels like, yeah, this is an authentic experience that a lot of different people go through. And the setting may be fantastical. It may be in a different country or a different place than we know, but it is a human experience. And I just thought it was it was really well told. So definitely appreciated it. Definitely recommend it. Uh, and there are a couple other things that I wanted to point out that I thought were interesting from this movie. The first one actually being the setting. This is another film that is not actually set in Japan, but it's actually set... The town is meant to resemble... Uh, some kind of island actually in Sweden. And I, I kind of, I could place it as being European, but I couldn't pick out the exact, uh, the exact country that was inspiring this location. But, you know, you see it with the bakery and the writing on the buildings and the architecture. Like this is clearly not uh, a Japanese town. And it was meant to be kind of like a Northern European, Swedish vibe overall. And, you know, it really like, it made a couple things click for me. The first one being a lot of students say they want to travel to Sweden. Um, a, lot of, a lot of my students are like, oh, I really want to go to Sweden. And I, I think part of that does have to do with the inspiration of films like this. Uh, you, know, it, you know, a lot of this, that's like these different movies and these different stories and where they're set do have a big influence on where a lot of kids want to travel. You know, you see something in a movie and it's like, oh, someday I want to go there. Uh, so I've definitely heard some students being inspired to go to Sweden. And I actually, uh, we, you know, we have, this is kind of a tangent, but obviously Halloween every year we have costume parties and we actually had, um, and there's a, there was a student from Sweden who came to study in Japan and for the party, she actually dressed up as Kiki. And I don't know if she did that intentionally because she knew that it was set in a town that's meant to be like somewhere Swedish uh, or if it was just a funny coincidence. But yeah, she dressed up as Kiki and she's from Sweden. And uh, so there, it's a fun little connection there between Japan, Japan and Sweden. There you go. And um, another thing that stood out to me, it actually reminded me of there's a place in Nagasaki that's uh, they have a history with the Dutch and they have a lot of like, there's actually a place in Nagasaki called the Dutch Slope or Olandazaka is, is what it's called in Japanese. And they've got all of this like Dutch architecture and garden where a Dutch family used to live. And, you know, it's such a popular spot. It's funny, like you have these places in Japan that have been influenced by different countries and they become this huge tourist spots uh, for people within Japan who want to see something outside of their normal culture. Uh, so it just reminded me of that again. And the tendency, like anything European is very popular in Japan, as well as American things and Australian things and, and all that. But it's fun to see uh, that connection between Japan and other countries and just the fascination that they have with other cultures, the same way that we in America or Australia have a fascination with Japan uh, or with Chinese culture or with Korean culture. Uh, I just love to see just the the way that films can bring things together and also bring people from different cultures together. It really is one of my favorite things about storytelling uh, that gets explored here in this movie is that 
uh, yeah, that, that, um, that fascination with other cultures and other countries and their architecture and their, the way that they're located uh, by the sea and all of that. I just thought it was really interesting. So I think that's everything that stood out to me. I've talked about the delivery service, the architecture, uh, the Swedish inspiration, and all of that. So before I wrap this thing up, I did want to mention that uh, the voice cast, because you know I haven't done a great job of highlighting the voice cast. I've talked about the director and the Japanese title, but I have totally failed in mentioning the voice cast. And so I do want to mention just a few of the main characters here um, that Kiki was voiced uh, in the Japanese version by Minami Takayama, but in the Disney version, she's voiced by Kirsten Dunst. So that's really interesting. Gigi, her cat, was voiced by Rei Sakuma, um, but in the Disney version, that's Phil Hartman. Uh, Osono is voiced by Keiko Toda, uh, but in the Disney version, in English, it's Tress McNeil. Uh, Ursula is voiced by Minami Takayama, and in the Disney version is Janine Garofalo, which is interesting. And Tombo is voiced by Kape Yamaguchi, uh, but the Disney is Matthew Lawrence. And then Fukuo is voiced by Koichi Yamarera, and uh, the English version is Brad Garrett. So a lot of really recognizable names in the English dub version. Uh, and I did want to highlight the Japanese original voice actors as well. So I want to make sure I did that before I wrap this thing up. But yeah, those are my overall thoughts and experiences within Japan, uh, you know, talking about this movie. I hope it's been interesting. I hope it's been a fun journey for you. And if there's anything I missed about this movie or didn't describe well or anything that you love about it, if you've seen it before, I'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Movies. I'd love to hear what you think about this or any of the other Ghibli films we've talked about before. I just love talking movies. Uh, And you can check out some other stuff I've got going on on the podcast. I've got a journey through the DC animated movie universe, which is continuing uh, this Friday with Justice League Throne of Atlantis. I've also got reviews up for Without Remorse and Mitchells vs. Machines. I also recently released the second episode of my original series that I started with, My Life in Movies, uh, talking about Child's Play, which was released in November 1989, but also talking about the remake from 2019. So all that stuff, I would encourage you guys to explore the podcast. And if you like it, uh, if you're enjoying it, please remember to leave a rating and a comment and subscribe and share it into the social media universe with all your friends and family. I would love to build a movie discussion culture uh, and community, uh, just love, just love talking movies. It's it's the one thing that I could do until the end of time. And hopefully, I don't burn myself out like Kiki did in this movie. I hope that I continue to be inspired, uh, and I hope that you continue to enjoy the journey. But thanks so much for listening today. I hope that wherever you are, you are staying safe. Please take care and wear a mask, and remember to always be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.